So last night I was at this Russian film premiere in London uh, with my with my friend Sasha, who's a, who's a Russian film star. And uh, afterwards we had to go to this dinner where there were lots of people who I would describe as out of their fucking minds, including one guy who was ranting to us about he is, quote unquote, not a homophobe, but is against what he refers to as, quote unquote, gay propaganda. Now, um, <laughs> what he regards as gay propaganda is the fact that he last summer took his children to Disneyland in the US and um, there was a gay pride parade going on in Disney World. And he was so outraged. And he's like, in Disney World. And I suddenly realized... This dude thinks that like Disney World is straight. Like this dude has been to Disney World and looked at all of that shit and been like, "What an incredibly straight place for dudes, for guys being to the last bastion of real men." Disney World. So, what was it like meeting Russian Jordan Peterson? <laughs> oh, I was about to talk in Russian in a Jordan Peterson voice, but I'm not prepared to go that that Let's far down pick. the rabbit hole. Why don't we talk? Why don't we do the Jordan mm. Peterson voice and the voice voice of the theme song instead? Hello and welcome to your free TF for the week. Yeah. Uh, it's me, Riley, from every other episode of this show, joined in studio by Milo. Uh, it's me, your boy, attender of bizarre Russian dinners. And uh, from parts unknown, Hussein. South London. It's South London. It's like a little bit further out from London Bridge. Anyway, hello. I'm not from parts unknown. It's just a part of South London that it's too difficult or, or it's, too long that it's too long for people that want to come down here. So they just refuse to come. Uh-huh. Anthony Bourdain Kazvani. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a we, that we was can, a reach. Sam- yeah, that's a reach. What, sam- sampling the local Thamesmead delicacies like sewer water and bacon mm. butties, uh, which I've never had before, so I don't actually know what that would taste like. <laughs> exactly as haram as one another. <laughs> and speaking of, we're also joined by returning champion Grace Blakely. Grace, how are you doing? I'm super good. I'm also from South London. And I can RT the reference to sewer water, and I can say that I have had sewer water and bacon butties, and they are peng. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the only sauce actually real Londoners will have on a bacon butty is sewer water. When they, <laughs> look, when they say brown sauce, that's what they fat mean. Fatberg. They'll have fatberg on it. Exactly. Look, if you want to make a lot of money, I'm pretty sure that Grace is easily tricked into like buying something like a raw water or whatever. Mm. Like she'll fall for that kind of scam. So there you go. You can get that BBC question time money. Basic. You uh, are going to a yoga class immediately after this. Fuck you. I'm not going to get drunk this time. Is it a hot yoga class? No, it's just a normal yoga class. It's only hot when I go, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a pumpkin spice yoga class. Hot yoga is the basic thing. So like normal yoga is mm. like, it's fine. Hot yoga it's is like, like we're... spiritual. It's like Look. meditative, but hot yoga is basic. Here's the so thing. I'm like, I'm mm. like the deep end. We got it. It's hot, like hot yoga is like where they play Diplo in the background while they ask you to center yourself. <laughs> Look, I mean, this is sort of connected to that. the product, actually. So I think we should just oh, no. jump. Oh no! Directly. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is it Diplo related? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the product is Diplo. Mm. Um, no, we should just jump jump directly in because the the product is deeply connected to basicness. Um, okay, guys, what do you think the Peloton is? Oh, I think I actually know what this is. Then you're not allowed to say. Okay. Isn't a peloton like in cycling? Yes. Yes. That's but that's not this. Not literally. No, it's no, like it, a peloton refers to a pack of cyclists in the center of a race. But no, this is yeah. not a when pack they're hunting of cyclists the other the cyclists. Of a race. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I know what this is because I saw it online. But for the oh. sake of the show, uh-huh. I'm going to say that a peloton is actually pronounced peloton, 
and it's actually like a small <laughs> French man in a little box. And when you open the box, it says racist things to you. <laughs> yeah. Les politiques. No, um, here's the thing. Gra- I actually confirm that Grace doesn't know what, that, what this is. So mm. I'm going to continue this with her. A private indoor blank in your home. A private indoor blank in your home. Um, what was previously only outdoor? Butt plugs? <laughs> uh, I don't know. What's indoor? Indoor, indoor versions of things. Yes. Pool. Mm. Um, um, gardening. That's, um, that's what they invented. Person, I don't know. Horse and carriage. Uh. Experience the energy of a group blank at home by joining any one of our fourteen daily live blanks, or select from our library of porn? thousands. A group blank is a very strong energy. Indoor, indoor porn. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's what as it's, opposed yeah. to outdoor porn. Well, I mean, that's that's just a, a lewd that's shrubbery. That's just solo dogging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm up to. Up Wait, so what's the deal with indoor porn? Is that what this is? No, no, no. no. Okay. Indoorn, as we call it. <laughs> here's the here's the thing. Like mm. because both of you sort of know what this is, and Grace Look, guys, seems to be a serious point. Here. Grace seems, guys, come on, let's get serious. He said, flipping mm. his chair uh, backwards. Um, the Peloton exercise bike yeah. is this particular product. Is that like in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Mac builds a bike that has a dick that comes out of the thing? Yeah. <laughs> it's a different thing. For a private indoor blank. <laughs> yeah, for, for, if you want to get a private indoor blank session going on or mm. in a lay-by, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. You can ride the bike there and then make it stationary. <laughs> yeah, I actually walked past their store in um, Spitalfields today. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, I didn't choose this for no reason, but we'll get to mm. why I chose it. I'm still confused. What is it? I don't know what it's we're talking about bike. yet. It's just an exercise bike. Oh, However, I'm sure you'll find it so it's, much more great. It, because it's a, dumb, it's a dumb product made up by a tech company, it's so much more. Okay. We're dedicated to creating a cutting-edge fitness experience that makes working out at home a viable option. Why was it not viable before? Because <laughs> it, it wasn't. For all those people too rich. Charles to buy Bronson managed gym memberships? it. <laughs> no, it, it was. It was. It just wasn't viable. It wasn't disrupted because mm. the Peloton is more than just a class, a cycling studio, and a bike. We deliver a fully it's engaging. Actually only one of those is it like an things. AI bike or some shit? <laughs> not uh, we, AI. V, 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 VR bike. We deliver a fully engaging experience with technology to make every workout effective and the social connection to make every workout addicting. So basically, it's a stationary bike, but it has an iPad on it. And the iPad beams workouts to you that are being done by other people around the world. And it has an instructor who can see you and yell at you when you're not working hard enough. How long before someone hacks this and uses it to spy on people? I mean, how long before someone hacks it and just uses it for like naked cycling and like mm. other, you know, oh, it becomes sexual like related roulette. things? It would obviously, that's obviously what people are going to do on it. Yeah. So, well, so the, people, everything that you can imagine, people use for sex. So right. this, is, this, is, this is an exercise bike where... You can um, be instructed by a, ra- a small racist French man called Peloton. Is he actually um, is he racist? Uh, who will just shout no slurs? Who will just shout slurs at you until you cycle so fast that like he can't keep up? But the cool thing he's is he's wearing a gilet jaune. This and is nothing <laughs> underneath, but you yeah. can't see that because yeah. it's just like the top of his. Oh, but head. he knows. Yeah, he's got the dildo bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the great- that would be a better investment. Exactly. Someone the- needs to like commercialize that. Yeah, do you better the more it makes me come. <laughs> no, the great thing about this is that one of my favorite examples is 
like all of the people who talk about how if we do mild social democracy, it'll be in 1984 are many mm. of the same people who are very excited about getting a telescreen in your house that watches you while you work out and yells at you if you're not <laughs> working hard enough. That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, we can't do a 1984 or we won't get enough Pelotons in people's houses, which is, again, a workout bike that yells at you if it's not working hard enough. But it's, oh, no, it's we innovation. live in a society. <laughs> it turns out we do. We live in a society. Yeah, the Joker. What if the Joker got swole? Mm. <laughs> Joke us on it. Now, so my question to everyone here, how much do you think it costs to purchase and then subscribe to the workout programs of? Because, you know, it's a walled Ooh. garden. You can't just use your own workout so videos. This is, you can't replicate this experience simply by buying an exercise bike and sticking an iPad on the front. And Skyping your nan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you could. Well, then presumably it can conceivably cost no more than an exercise bike and an iPad. Oh, You're laughing at me right now. I think that was a fucking stupid question. more. <laughs> is this like a Veblen good? This is like a, a good that people will pay more money for. I'm to nodding. Make them look. You can't see it, but yes. I'm nodding. Uh, okay. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, uh, you know, like five grand. <laughs> they make a $4,000 treadmill, but no, it's slightly Damn. less. People don't be thinking at the margin. Is, I think it's like 1,500 quid. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Um, now, what's funny is I actually I pulled a, um, a a quote from an article about Peloton and its interesting model. Peloton's popular one thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars stationary bike <laughs> um, has now sold to over one million subscribers across thirty two wow. showrooms in the United States alone. Mm. It plans to further appeal to more income levels with the addition of a new monthly financing program at fifty six pounds per month for thirty six uh, months, zero percent APR. Rent to own your nineteen eighty four exercise <laughs> equipment. Amazing. That's, that's right, everybody. We're not just investing in assets. We're investing in Veblen goods. <laughs> yeah. In, in Orwell, the fucking the oppression was free. This is the amazing. It goes back to what we were saying the other week about how like capitalism has become the soviet union but just shitty and expensive <laughs> like, yeah so that's that's the thing is a lot of their sales are being driven by people taking out loans to buy exercise bikes fuck me amazing oh wow oh now here's the thing as we all know every mm. good magic tech every good magic trick has three parts the setup the turn and the prestige Okay. Financing the fact that this is a, a company that, was that definitely like from Arrested Development, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, almost certainly. <laughs> mm -hmm. The financing part—that's the—that's the the turn. Here's the prestige. In 2017, Series E financing valued the company at 1.25 billion dollars, making it a unicorn, and it's getting ready for an IPO. <laughs> they also make a bike called the Unicorn within the Unicorn, which is the dildo bike. <laughs> bike yeah. that is why this is what they're getting their valuation from they've told this guy we've got the dildo bike coming out that's gonna be our exactly. big that's the prestige <laughs> they, they fucked you there that's not the prestige well you i, I haven't gotten one yet so they haven't quite well yeah that's true yeah, they, they will look once we get enough patreon subscribers i'm getting a dildo peloton <laughs> have you ever have you ever dreamed of being fucked and getting interval training at the same time <laughs> oh yeah there are definitely people that have dreamed of that so, oh, 100%. This is what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about tech IPOs and the next recession. <laughs> because as soon as I saw that Peloton was not only a unicorn, but has been one for several years and is now making an IPO on the basis of like people with 20 pounds to their name taking out a loan to get an exercise bike. Stop I'm passing me, Riley. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're doomed. 
What I actually yeah. is, is there actually like a technical definition of a unicorn? Is it it's just a yeah. million dollar valuation yeah. startup. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's Which, just one of those. Actually, yeah, it should really have been adjusted for inflation mm-hmm. because it's going to get easier and easier. Which is really, yeah. it was, that was Zimbabwe stupid. Zimbabwe is full of unicorn businesses, <laughs> just like every corner shop. <laughs> so, look, there is this wave of tech IPOs that have been going on right now. Um, Uber, WeWork, uh, all of our favorites, our, mm. our, our best friends, Lyft, whatever. And money is pouring into them. But talking about this, I kind of want to go back to the very basic contradiction of capitalism. Why is it so crisis prone? That is a very good question. Um, okay, so let, let's just go back. Let's go right back to the tendency of the rate of profit to fall, shall we? Oh, it's my favorite. My favorite so, tendency. That always gets my dick hard. Oh, God, <laughs> it actually, gets my microphone we, <laughs> straight. Yeah. Do we even have to? Okay, so I mean, capitalism, every kind of adaption of capitalism is, is, tends towards a certain form of crisis. So contradictions will build up in the model as it, as it develops, you know, based on economic actors attempting to pursue their own interests. Um, and at some point that creates uh, kind of, uh, you know, accumulations of shit that build up in the system and lead to big crises. Um, and Marx says that it's a secular tendency of capitalism over the kind of long term for the, the rate of profit to fall. So uh, the kind of, uh, and that's basically based on what Marx conceives of as profit, which is uh, the difference between the value that a worker creates for um, mm. a, a capitalist and obviously the the profits that they um, they gain from that. And Marx basically thinks that as more labor uh, is kind of removed from the production process, then um, the difference between the amount that is extracted from the worker and um, the, the amount that can be sold, obviously because you have less labor in the production process, means that you have a te- secular tendency for the rate of profit to fall. That crucially doesn't mean that profits consistently fall. It just means that the 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 kind of um, rate the well, it just means that like the rate of profit that capitalists are able to make. And so what what that means is that it gets harder to invest money profitably, and you have to go further and further to chase returns. This was the tendency that created imperialism because you know. Uh, England is full of already invested capital. No one really has any money left to buy anything. I need to invest something. Oh, I'm going to buy a mine and have the government protect it for me, et cetera, et cetera. Hobson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how we get like debt fine. That's how we got like financialization. We so, take that forward yeah, and so on I, and so like, on. Let, so if we have that in the background as like a kind of general tendency of capitalism, uh, I think, you know, it's important to bring out the fact that then, because this like theory has been critiqued a lot, right? And partly by people who are just like, but profits are rising, so the rates of profit aren't falling, which is silly. But partly, <laughs> partly you know, based on by telling you to Google Venezuela. <laughs> a scathing critique by your dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is also because capitalism has, because there are institutions, political, social, in, and economic institutions that have been built up around capitalism as a system. So capitalism is not just an economic system. It also is, uh, you know, it has associated with a form of politics, with bigger forms of sociology. And um, like, those institutions have facilitated fixes that have emerged at different points in capitalist history. So that, you know, like, for example, you've had spatio-temporal fixes. So like imperialism, as Riley was just said, was a kind of spatial fix, uh, expansion Mm -hmm. into new um, territories, like, you know, the frontier in America, and then obviously actual imperialism in the rest of the world. Um, And more recently, like, there was a, a lot of works been done looking at well I, there's a lot of Marx literature that looks at financialization all the way back to kind of Hilferding that looks at how as um kind of businesses accumulate large pools of capital 
um, there is a tendency in capitalist systems towards uh, a growing power of the finance sector. Um, and that's basically because those those profits need to go somewhere, they need to be invested somewhere. Um, and uh, that is done, you know, at the nexus between the corporate sector and, and the finance sector. And the finance sector which works rather than based on the logic of MCM, so money, commodity, money, just MM, so money, money. Um, and yeah, kind of Hilferding building on the work of Lenin says that um, the kind of emergence of big pools of capital uh, and, and what we would now refer to as kind of institutional investors that are able to like move money all around the world is something that naturally emerges from the operations operation of, of a kind of capitalist system. And that's something that we really saw. So we saw it in the kind of interwar period and it, it leads up to the Wall Street crash because when you get these big pools of capital, um, there are even more kind of, well, not even more deep-seated, but kind of quite deep-seated contradictions that emerge from um, those big pools being invested. Uh, and that has to do with uh, kind of over-investment and under-consumption dynamics analysed by well, Marx as well as like Keynes, Minsky and other post-Keynesian economists. Mm. Um, and that, tendency is uh, it obviously ends up in in the war and then the Wall Street crash and then the war and after the war you have this period of relative stability um mm -hmm. in the like the form of like the post-war consensus where all these institutions that are built up around capitalism um under the kind of realm of social democracy right so what we were talking about a bit earlier um contain some of its contradictions um but then those kind of institutions have their own contradictions and these are analyzed by Kaletsky where uh basically work like workers become too powerful relative to capital which threatens um the latter's profits and therefore leads to kind of political contradictions rather than economic ones mm -hmm. and then although it has its roots earlier but kind of in the 1980s you get the re-emergence of financialization as a kind of big trend in capitalism um and that's actually kind of at the time also you know it it comes at a time where everyone's talking about the end of history. You have like the fall of the, of the Soviet Union, uh, the big debates between like left and right are, uh, are kind of so, mm. like over. So for those people that have like a Hegelian view of history, history is over. There are no more ideas to be debated. There's no more debates. There's just been mentioned. Yeah. There are giant houses to buy. Exactly. Yeah. And banks are being very nice by giving us unlimited money with which to buy them. And, exactly. there's, a, and there's a bigger supply of cocaine than ever before. You and can start all the small <laughs> place restaurants you want. And so essentially, I think, and so it's, it's my, so, my understanding always was that that that's the continuation of that process. Yes, exactly. And so like it was at that point that people start saying, oh, actually, no, Marx is completely wrong. There isn't any, you know, con capitalism doesn't have any, have any contradictions. It's one. Everyone's getting better off. Everyone's houses are going up in value. Everyone's getting richer. You know, the global south is gradually converging <laughs> with the rest of the world. The end. <laughs> and it's all driven. I'm glad nothing happened since then. <laughs> it's all driven by an, a, a, the, the temporal fix, right? Which is rather mm. than the extraction of profit from the rest of the world, you get the extraction of profit from the future future via like the creation of huge amounts of debt um and the kind of crises and contra the contradictions that build up in that model eventually culminate in the crash of 2007 after which we have this lost decade where we have you know in the uk we have a decade of wage stagnation in america in the uk productivity is stagnant productivity is supposed to be the driving force of growth under capitalism mm -hmm. um how do you use like the resources that you have available to you better you increase productivity that's now dead um, and you have all sorts of I, like we can go into it a bit later like all the problems that, that have been created by the crash and the kind of the fixes that have been attempted to be found so as a result if we had the spatial fix which is imperialism but ran out of space we had the temporal fix but that's no longer credible because we seem to have run out of time it seems it seems now that and this is now what we're getting into with all of these insane um, tech mm. IPOs of like 
exercise bikes for millennials or whatever. But this is also a yeah. temporal fix. And I, really I, I, I don't see it so much as a temporal fix as just like a credit as a credulity fix of just them being like, fuck it. Fine. Well, it's, it, a, it's a bike you subscribe to or it's, it's a, a car company that doesn't make money. But well, it's a temporal fix in the sense that so uh, uh, when you say like there's a bubble in a particular market, so say we say there's a bubble in the tech sector, right? Mm. Um, people will come back and you say, no, there's no bubble because uh, the net present value of the future profits of this corporation extrapolated however many years yeah. can reliably, like, are reliably related to the stock price of this thing. Basically, like, these things are going to make yeah. so much money over the course of their existence that actually the valuation that they have now is justified. So- but that assumes that, that they're ever going to make money. Well, yeah, but it also, like, this is what, this is like Keynes's point, right, about uncertainty. This is why mm. uncertainty matters, like, in, in the economy. Uncertainty is what drives the business cycle. Uncertainty is what drives massive overinvestment booms and then mm. um, underinvestment busts. Because you can, like, reliably assess the risks that, like, that you can quantify that a company is going to grow or collapse or whatever based on the state of the economy right now. What you cannot like predictably do is say in 10 years time we will not be going through you know an environmental crisis like there won't have been a meteorite that hits the planet like you know there wouldn't have been i don't know some sort of collect like epidemic or like new innovation that completely transforms mm. market like uncertainty means that over like the longer period of time of which you try and predict something the less reliable shit's going to be so by mm. saying that like these things are so valuable because they'll be making billions of like dollars 10 years in the future it, like it, it's kind of getting rid of that idea of uncertainty and yeah God, imagine if a meteorite was going to hit the planet now we would be so fucked like literally <laughs> there has never been a time when like we've been led by bigger idiots who are less able to form a consensus to be like actually i think the meteorite very good guy the okay meteorite. the democrats <laughs> really have been good. saying a lot of very bad things about the meteorite that meteorite always been very fair to me okay you just want an so, opportunity to do that. People. But he this is like Fermi's paradox, right? It's yeah. like, why are we here? I mean, we're getting to the point, surely, where we're like, we've got, we've reached intelligence just about. Mm. Like, it's only a matter of time before we yeah. get wiped out. And exactly. the following numbers have proven to me that the journey of humanity towards intelligence is parabolic and we've just beyond gone beyond the arc. Yeah. <laughs> so Peak intelligence was like 96. Lyft, <laughs> Lyft uh, the rideshare company, raised $2.3 billion in its IPO last month, soared 20% in the first moments of trading, and then is down like eight from its peak, I believe. 200 other companies, largely in tech, are trying to raise over 100 billion between them in the next like 10 months. Um, and that's more money than was raised in like 2000 by the like pets.com and the other companies that like drove our economy into the ground two times ago. Um, Pinterest went public recently. Wait, no Riley, profits. Are you saying that all that money I have in pets.com isn't going to come <laughs> good because I was relying on that for retirement. <laughs> I um, own so many Neopets. <laughs> Neopets were so good. Let's invest in Neopets. Uber lost $1.8 billion. Would you like to buy some Neopets? <laughs> WeWork lost $1.9 billion. You might as well buy Neopets rather mm. than buying these. Airbnb is valued over $35 billion, but it doesn't make anything snapchat's been losing money forever and despite being public for two years continues to lose money having lost 7.7 billion dollars this year after several years of straight losses yeah, I think, subscribe to my private snap bitches <laughs> <laughs> if we know anything about like the dynamics of equity valuations under finance-led growth it's that like economic fundamentals matter mm -hmm. less and less look at fucking bitcoin 
Like seriously, this is at like least these- you could get porn with that. <laughs> like <laughs> at least you, you can these get you can, uh, you can be- certain kinds of porn. Yes, <laughs> yeah, at least you can get escorts and heroin with it. Yeah, exactly. that's true. You can't get escorts and heroin with a lift chair. At least I don't no. think you can. <laughs> Not you probably get them with lift. You can you could pick up escorts in a lift. In a lift, that's <laughs> yeah. true. They should make that a bigger part. And of probably their heroin. <laughs> Look, if you if lift wants to learn the lessons of Bitcoin, it should get more into the like escorting the heroin and heroin. Game. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's where all the money is. Yeah, but also it's that like where else is where else is capital going to go? Exactly, it's where the future profits are going to come from, and that's like the really big question, right? Because let's just look at all the. I don't want to talk too theoretically, so let's yeah. just look like empirically at all the like problems that are escalating mm-hmm. all around the world. We've had like a period during which like global growth has been driven largely by consumption by people in you know the global north there's been you know they've been importing billions and billions of dollars worth of goods that is increasingly going to come to an end mm-hmm. because we're seeing wages stagnate um we're seeing uh, kind of all, all sorts of issues emerging around productivity in those economies. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large part of the reason that those consumers were able to afford so much was basically down to the dynamics of, of a debt fueled boom that is now over. Uh, if you look at like China, which is supposed to be the new rising power in the world, um, it's got like debts uh, relative to the, three times the size of its economy. So total debt mm-hmm. in China is three times the size of, of the Chinese economy. That shouldn't be too much of an issue because mainly it's like owed domestically. So there's not too much foreign debt, but like there is definitely a debt bubble that's going to have to be deflated Mm. at some point, which means that's going to reduce demand in China. You have all these stories about how uh, opening up their markets to the like, you know, the great Western enlightened rational countries was supposed to lead the global south out of poverty. That has increasingly been shown to be bullshit. And actually all those economies, when you get interest rates starting to rise, are probably going to experience a renewed debt crisis that's already happening in places like Ghana and Mozambique today and Turkey and Argentina Um, and you're just like okay so where and if you think about all the kind of technologies that were making money for the private sector in the 1990s that sparked that new wave of globalization that new boom most of them came from state investment that was driven either by the need to invest in technological shit during the cold war or like you know Mm -hmm. all stuff before that and you just don't have that anymore. Like states are re- not really, they're not investing in in this kind of stuff. Because we also And then said, we've got the environmental yeah. crisis. We've got like 10 years I to forgot, save the world I from like actual collapse, feel, like I, total I collapse. I feel like I'm hearing all these problems and there's only really one solution, which we've talked about on this show before, which is that we have to build a Gundam. Like, what? <laughs> we have to build a Gundam. Like Matt Hancock Giant has robot. to become prime minister and he has to invest, he has to like put state funding into building a Gundam. What's a Gundam? A Gundam for the Sag. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fighting robot. Ah. Um, but it's like a di- giant Japanese you know, flying robot. There's an like easy a transformer, fix. but there's an easy anime. fix to that, that does problem. Sound like a good idea. Which is which is if we could somehow because there's there we are still growing. It's just all that growth is going to like four guys. Yeah, yeah. This isn't like an inherent and our problem swole jack physiques. <laughs> <laughs> right. We could, Look, let me just say the economy's made some gains. <laughs> we could we could if we raised wages, like if people's wages were on average higher and they could consume, this would be less of a problem. Yeah, if a tiny elite wasn't monopolizing the gains from growth, then uh, we would be living in a very different system. But of course, we then always how would have to I be have able to have my money swimming pool, right? <laughs> You wouldn't have that big. I'm, I'm literally. It's kind of disorientating. You've got a big cutout of Elon Musk, and it's just staring me yeah. down. <laughs> and it's actually made out of pulped fifty-pound notes. 
Because we could. That's what we spent the Patreon money on. Yeah, that's right, bitch. You guys are really excited about the fact that you earn money now, aren't you? Yeah, it's not enough. Please subscribe to the Patreon. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's instead of, um, instead of having anyone's wages be higher, instead, we're saying, well, no, we can't do that. But capital still needs to find returns. But it can't sort of it can't do A to C. Yeah. It can't give back some of itself to then get redistributed back up. We tried that in the seventies and it was like, no, the workers got too uppity. Yeah. And so it has to go A to B and just pour a bunch of money into a bunch of shit that doesn't do anything or make anything. But then I also notice like I'm seeing more and more of this trend of like Okay, do you do you read Wolfgang Streak? How will capitalism end? I sure as fuck. I did. love that book. Uh, he talks. People about- don't like Wolfgang Streak very much. <laughs> yeah, but I like his book. <laughs> no, um, it was a good book. Um, and he was talking about the transition from like public Keynesianism in the seventies, where we sort of managed demand by to giving people money and so yeah. on, to private Keynesianism, where it was like, no, this you now your demand management is like contingent on you continuing to perform. Mm. Yeah. We're now having we've like we've got dumb investors who will subsidize your taxi rides. We're now having <laughs> yeah, we're now having like venture capital driven or like individualized stupidity Keynesianism, where it's like, no, you owe, you have a dozen different micro loans to like <laughs> to different disruptive companies. Like you you've got a micro <laughs> yeah. loan to Instacart. You've been a micro loan to Peloton, so now you're you have been invested in by a bunch of venture capital backed, you know, um, subscription based companies, and so Netflix kind of owns you for a little bit of the while. But at least you get to watch the one movie that we get every year that's seven days mm. long and contains every character. <laughs> it's key to board Keynesianism. Well, that was an exceptionally good uh, uh, pre C. Um, <laughs> like I think so. The, the two ways in which capitalism is is eating itself at the moment, uh, and which we're kind of creating an, an unsustainable not in a cool two. Rich and Rich kind of way. <laughs> Not in a suck your own dick kind of way. No. <laughs> title. Uh, Episode is. title. Capitalism sucking its own dick. <laughs> so Capitalismgettingitsdicksuck.com. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalismsuckingitsowndick.com. Are we done with the dick stuff now? No, no I can't. I'm going to talk about the two no, ways. No, no. We'll just we'll carry on with the Hit dick with stuff the two now. Ways. Yeah. <laughs> No, we're actually done with the dick yes, stuff. Shouts to Tom Cabassi, our dick correspondent. <laughs> As I was saying, <laughs> the, the two ways in which capitalism is eating itself are by um, so the like wage suppression and um, and rentierism. So mm. wage suppression is like the classic problem um, is that you know an increasing share of uh, profits is going to capital rather than labour. Um, and that's happening as productivity is stagnating. Um, so ra- you basically got a problem of like capital needs to embiggen itself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and it is it's struggling to. So rather than kind of creating new shit, you just get uh, a transfer of resources from workers to owners. Um, and then there's mm. another issue, which is that because, um, well, I mean, because of this productivity crisis, because of that issue around like where is future future growth coming from um, and because of that secular tendency that's always operating in the background there's this need to um find ways to create returns now um without you know alongside the reduction in the wage share right because you can mm. only push down wages so far well you can carry on pushing down wages so far but like you know there, there needs to be other sources um of of well economic rents basically and so what uh the kind of increasing strategy that um that the owners of capital are using is to 
rent out their assets to uh, people that need to use them. So whether that's in the form of like, you know, renting out property, um, you also see it in um, the extent to which like social security is increasingly becoming privatized. Risk is mm. becoming individualized. People are having to take on, um, you know, paying for their own care, health costs, their own Pelotons, like, <laughs> Pelotons, <Yeah. laughs> etc. And in the form of financial rents. So like, charges for the use of capital so interest mm. payments um like well capital gains can be considered a form of economic mm. rent it's all because and, of thatcher in the 80s when you had the right to buy your own council dildo bike and then they never bought <laughs> they never produced any more so now all the dildo bikes are in private hands and there's not enough they're to producing go some new dildo bikes that's, that's, exactly. what I mean. we, that's why we need a labor government exactly for more, <laughs> to dildo build bikes more for social all. dildo bikes <laughs> And just one shared dildo bike. And so it's the we're suppressing wages and we're seeking rents. And also, and it seems like it it seems like in the background of all of that, we are we're 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 finding money either by finding monopolies, yeah, um, and we're creating these monopolies, or we're just inventing the value of companies. So like Uber's target value is a hundred billion dollars, but that target value is just conceptual until Uber owns and can rent out all transport. Yeah. And so another form of, of, of rent is actually like monopoly rent. And rents, basically, they're like theoretically, the way to understand rents is they always result from an imbalance of power. So like the reason that you can charge people over and above what it costs you to reproduce a house, to rent your house, is that you own the house that they want. You cannot create another house that is exactly yeah. the same as that house because, you know, there's the land is fixed. There's only a certain amount of land. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the people that obviously originally they just expropriated, um, you know, this was uh, primitive accumulation. They just expropriated the people that, you know, didn't own in capitalist terms the land, but worked on it and used it for subsistence in order to enclose it, make it into an asset. And this is like what a lot of um, kind of economists today say we need to be doing with the global south is like uh, uh, consolidating property rights. It basically means enclosing um, shared resources and stuff. <laughs> oh, I've only tried that with the global south before. <laughs> <laughs> Why did no one have that idea of showing up in the global south and being like, I own this now? <laughs> Damn. Must have been because we didn't have the right muskets or something. Well, apparently, like the reason that the global south is poor is because uh, people who who live in their in their homes, so in slums mm-hmm. uh, and and various other forms of land that aren't technically privately owned by them, is that they can't capitalize that um, that land. That means so they can't take a mortgage out on it. They can't use it as collateral for a loan. And that's the reason that they're poor. Oh, it's, it's I love that. <laughs> Showing up to a guy who literally lives in a hut and pisses in a bucket and being like, you see, the problem here is you can't leverage your situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also it's like, yeah, it's... The Sorry, I was going to come yes. to the... Pro- I yes. went off on one about... I said the problem... Is, a, is an imbalance of power, right? Uh, and it's always about whether or not you can kind of basically consolidate the, a, a set of resources to be completely yours. And that's what we're seeing now with the emergence of monopoly rents. And, and the thing, and I think these, you can't separate uh, the problem of monopolies from the sort of massive IPO and um, venture financing of unprofitable firms mm. and dumping money into there with the hope of receiving like massive returns because what you're trying to do is make a bet on owning everything. Right. So Facebook is the social network, whether we like it or not. You know, it's the only it's basically the only one. I mean, because it owns Instagram and WhatsApp, et cetera, et cetera. It's the thing. And so this is they are a monopoly now. Mm. And so everyone who invested in them early on. Congratulations. You now own a monopoly. If you invested in Bebo or Friendster, sorry, better luck next time. I actually own all the train stations. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, I, I still I still have like a lot of my stock in Pixo. And I think that's going to make a comeback soon. Yes, so. Yeah. That's one. That's one. Do you remember Pixo? 
No. Oh my god! What a two thousand and eight vibe. It was like it was like a com- competitor to like Bebo and MySpace and all that shit. Um, it was like, but it was like more customizable. You had like more of an HTML page, and you could like make like crazy fucking like writing all over it, like word art shit. That's fun. So then, this what happens is is that what in chasing these returns, we're sort of naturally creating monopolies, in effect. Yeah, I mean, so you've got. These big platforms, right? And the only way they can be profitable because their their business model rests on oftentimes like the accumulation of massive amounts of data that they can use to um, get advertisers to target you with crazy dildo yeah. bikes. Don't um, worry, buy this bike <laughs> that just records everything you do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that you know, in order for their businesses to work, because they're essentially selling something that producing something at zero marginal cost, so it doesn't cost them any which basically means the price mechanism breaks down because under neoclassical economics price is supposed to equals it the marginal cost so the amount mm. it costs you to produce an extra good is the amount you're supposed to charge for it mm. um and if you charge anything above that amount then that's considered a form of rent and you know this is the same with with land rents it's the same with the rents that these guys are extracting because technically these things should be free data should be free a lot of the services they're providing should be free um and instead, they're monopolizing them and using their power over them to to extract rents. That is one reason why they're super profitable. The other reason, well, not profitable, sorry, why they're super, you know, they, their market yeah, capitalization valuable. is huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other reason why their market capitalization is is huge is mm. um, that there's shitloads of money looking for shit to go into. <laughs> 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 free, to a, free to a good home, $100 billion of venture capital financing. Literally. No, so like since Best the crash, podcast. We, <laughs> we, had, um, we had QE, so we had over, now I, th- now I think it's over $10 trillion worth of capital pumped into, um, uh, into the financial system by the big four central banks, that's the Bank of Japan, the Fed, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank. Um, and they use those to buy government bonds, which the bonds then obviously they exchanged for cash. That cash needed to find returns. And a lot of the, that money has now flooded into equity markets. You had a massive, you really, I mean, in most equity markets in the US up until recently where there's been a little bit more volatility and you're potentially starting to see a bit of a correction, they've been massively overvalued. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. the thing called, there's a thing called the market capitalization to GDP ratio, famously called the Buffett indicator because it was Warren Buffett's favorite recession indicator. Uh, when it gets to, I think it's when it gets over 100%, then um, Buffett says that's, you know, due to a recession. Over. Yeah. And it's now something like 140%. Well, that's the other thing Regular. is that the party, the party <laughs> is over. And it would, but the thing is, like, at least in previous decades, everyone was invited to the party. But the problem, or at least more people, not everyone, but more people were at least invited to like have a have a cup of punch at the party. Mm. But now we we have been sh- completely shut out of this party because, like, since two thousand, it's this going is- on in our house, and we've already <laughs> and we've already put on like an entire Enya album to try and get these people to leave, but they're still like doing cocaine and going yeah. classic one Tarquin. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's the thing we're saying, you know, we've we is that capitalism fixes itself each time it, it patches itself up and keeps going. It gets the money from somewhere, whether it's imperialism or central banks or the future or whatever. All and its then, losses was lessons, baby. Then, <laughs> it's <laughs> like capitalism is Mike the Situation Sorrentino. <laughs> that's why all the Tories are Instagram people now. Exactly. Um, but it's that it's that this money's basically 
it's in, decreasingly has it gone to us. It's all the recoveries are increasingly privatized. And I found another another interesting bit of the numbers, um, which is that as these recessions get worse, and as it seems that like investment in tech is like taking up most of the money from this recession, mm-hmm. this is from a paper called Job Polarization and Jobless Recoveries. Eighty-eight mm-hmm. percent um, of job losses in like routine occupations, so something easily automizable, occur within twelve months of a recession. So in 90, 1991, 2001, and 0809 recessions, routine jobs accounted for essentially all the jobs that got lost, but then they stay lost because mm. in that time, McDonald's in, or whatever invests cash in hand, like replacing workers with machines to stay profitable in a time of low consumption. And then those jobs never come mm. back, mm. ever. So it's like every recession now is getting worse. And the thing driving the recession now is the thing that's going to make it impossible to recover from for most people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so people, people are going to come back on you. Meteor, meteor, <laughs> People are going to come back on you now 2020. and say that uh, actually, actually, um, actually, uh, do I, is the I'm, rate of I'm employment is actually well. higher uh, now. It's uh, it's the highest it's ever been on record mm. in the UK, and it's you've got similar trends in the yo, US. Yo, t- tell me about them wages, though. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got we have got really high levels of employment. A lot of it is um, like insecure, poorly paid, um, and like temporary employment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like I don't know. That's a, a, not a you know Uber driving. Yeah, well, yeah. kind that's of. The, that's yeah. the classic. Mm. That's the classic example. Podcasting. That's the classic. Podcasting. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Literally my single largest source of income. I'll tell you what, folks, it's not enough. <laughs> For less than the price of a cup of coffee a day. <laughs> <laughs> Milo lives. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you've got these, they're all like, they're mostly shitty jobs that are poorly paid. Um, and that isn't that surprising because most of the jobs that are most automatable have already been outsourced. Uh, so a lot of the jobs that were already, you know, in the UK are based, like, especially in the UK, right? It's like... Uh, Finance and professional services under the associated cottage, in- cottage mm. industries um, and like shitty other forms of service employment. There's like a really small share of employment in any form of manufacturing. Um, so it's hard to to automate that. Um, and yeah, I mean, today, you know, you've got the majority of like because less employment, obviously, in those big, highly paid sectors. Um, mm-hmm. You've got like a. What is called a, a, well, a long tail of highly unproductive firms, <laughs> which pay workers very little. and Which are also most think tanks. <laughs> and think mm. tanks. But like this is this is actually a really big problem for the kind of development agenda, right? Because uh, all the, the jobs that are most automatable have been um, outsourced to various parts of the global south. And mm. the, the narrative was always going to be, as labor gets more expensive in China, the capitalists will move on to the next place where labor is cheap. But the and people making the, this argument, do, don't they realize that there is a limited number of places? Well, then they would say that because the investment has moved out of places like the UK, then eventually labor will become cheap again in the UK and Europe, and then they'll come back. And it will just be this lovely, virtuous cycle based on nice equilibrium mm. and all these sorts of lovely things. Um, we'll just make course, new places. We'll make new, we'll <laughs> in make the new. We'll, we'll colonize the but fucking this is, moon. This is yeah. literally like that, you know, the continuous need for fixes does imply. Yeah. Have you got? Oh my god! I've, I hate uh, it when you call tech support and you get put through to the Nazi moon base. <laughs> I got an incomprehensible really, Nazi moon base accent. <laughs> I watched this really good sci-fi show called The Expanse, and it was so freaking good. And mm. the premise was that the Earth was like all underwater and run by the UN. They'd sent a colony to Mars. The UN and, like, would never have that kind of authority. I know. I know. <laughs> this, this, sounds, this, this sounds like a Mark Wahlberg movie. 
Mark yeah. Wahlberg has to get in a fight with Mars. <laughs> he, he's yeah, from, Mars, you want to fucking fight me? Yeah. Actually, Ma- Mars is a part of Boston. <laughs> you guys, I, I like I have intelligence that Mars did the Boston bombing. <laughs> I'm going to go to Mars and going to punch you in the fucking face. <laughs> your your, your, your Wahlberg you? converges with Trump. <laughs> don't don't mix them. Trump Too powerful. <laughs> Too powerful. Do it, do it, do it, do it. We're going to go to fucking Mars. <laughs> We're going to fucking fuck him up, okay? They've said some very fucking fair things about fucking Boston on Mars, okay? We're going to take care of it, folks. <laughs> so look, we've learned a lot about capitalism today, but we've also learned that actually if you d- take Mark Wahlberg and Donald Trump, add them up and divide them by two, you get the trailer park boys. Very fun. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Damn, everything exists on a weird spectrum, huh? So we were talking about The Expanse. Oh, yeah. And then so the, there's a colony on Mars and... Um, the people that have gone there, like they've enclosed Mars, so they've like j- mm. like like sliced it up between loads of big, um, like you know, there's loads of rich people now, and they're all working together to try and make Mars work. Mining and then the you bars have, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then you have the asteroid belt, and all the Ooh. proletarians live in the asteroid belt, mining shit in the asteroids that they then send back to all the, and they like have they like die all the time and treated like shit, and they have wow, like a, a terrorist organization, a terrorist organization that's trying to like. Get them independence. It's a really good. But like, this is like this. I was watching that and I was like, politically, this is really like quite accurate potentially about what like a kind of capitalist. It sounds a bit like Total Recall as well. Yeah. Isn't What's Total, Total Recall? Recall? It's the film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I haven't seen uh, yeah. it. I'm too yeah. young, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, the same age as both of you, <laughs> but just spend less time watching old movies with Arnold well, Schwarzenegger. You can't be the same then. age as both of us. So which is it, Blake? They <laughs> caught you in a lie yet again. <laughs> Yet again, the, the young, hip Stalin has left. A, she's not a real economist. These headphones come right off. <laughs> right. So, but I think what that gets back to is that, like, it, this process needs to keep going forever and it keeps almost fucking up. Mm. And so this is why I get But to- they always find a way to deal with it. They always find a way to, mm. like, contr- like, keep their power and just oppress people and exploit people because they in can. slightly more nuanced <laughs> and horrible ways. Well, also, but, like, that's what I think you what all we, it always have to come back to, right? Is that they do it because they can. Because if they say Uber's worth $100 billion, it's worth $100 billion. So their returns are safe for another day. And ultimately, the people... So, uh, like, originally, a lot of what drove the stock market expansion in the 80s was the shit ton of social security capital. So, like, pension mm. funds wealth that increasingly you had to have because of the privatization of the social security system. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, when this blows up because it is going to blow up. There is going to be some yeah. sort of generalized uh, crash and fall in equity values. That's not going to create the same kind of crisis that it did in 2007. But, you know, the bubble is going to pop at some point. Mm-hmm. The hedge funds, the investors, whatever, they will all know that and they'll see that coming before it happens. It will be ordinary people's savings who, which are wiped out. And I'm not saying, you know, these are the people who have enough savings to invest in equity markets, whether themselves or via pension funds, tend to be wealthier. But wiping mm. out all of that wealth is also wiping out another potential avenue for consumption in the future and therefore constraining even more the amount that demand in the economy. And I, what I, the, one of the, but the important thing is all my Betamax tapes are safe and those things are going to be valuable as fuck. Look, one of the one of the main one of the main themes. <laughs> oh wait, that's what that's what video wasn't, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of the main themes of this show, really, also is just looking at the frantic stupidity of the modern economy, and like the as the, the more I feel I, I hear about this, the more I feel like the best way to describe what you capitalism now is basically as like a wounded badger that's getting increasingly frantic. 
Wait, it's Chris Moltisanti <gasps> going, you're supposed to push fucking wabistics. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's just they're inventing how much, val- how much value their equities are, and then that's how much they are. Mm. And the thing is... It's a Ponzi scheme. The one, it is actually yeah. a Because yeah, if the next scheme. person is going to pay more for the same shares, then suddenly your shares that are notionally worth more. Yeah. 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 And then, and so they, yeah, then you got to crystallize your gains and then ordinary people are left holding, holding the, uh, holding the bag. And mm. so this is why I always really think of this, which is like, going back to all that, like, like new Tory Liz trust shit where they're like, oh, well, socialism's never worked. And it's like, have you seen what this economy is doing? And like, it's, they say, oh, it's the best engine for human progress because it gave us the iPhone and the Peloton. But it's like, all it's good for is securing returns on capital. And sometimes as good a side effect of that is that it's produced useful consumer goo-gahs and then like, um, and, and, and and so forth, but like, but like also, you know, if you're like, if you're looking at this over the long term, then you can say, you know, there was a stage at human development under which capitalism was the next natural phase based on the power relations and ec- like the political and economic relations that existed mm. at that time, and you know that capitalist systems, by virtue of the ability of of states and 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 powerful people with with monopoly on force to use that force to expropriate and then um kind of well build up their own their own um capital and then use that capital to force other people to work for them because they've just been expropriated etc et that mm. ends up creating a system that ultimately then does stabilize itself by producing you know enough for people to get by and producing some goods and like only exploiting the people that it finds easiest to exploit generally segmented by race and gender and whatever um but that you eventually get to a point at which it's no longer Rational, not just in the sense of like, you know, human needs, but rational in the sense of the the political and economic base and the power relations that exist in society for that system to continue. And that is, we hope, the situation that we are getting to now, whereby Mm. there are so few people that look as though they are going to benefit from the continuation of the status quo, that Mm. it is almost impossible, just based on a, a like basic political analysis, to expect that. Um, that situation to continue. Now, that is tempered by the fact, of course, that it doesn't matter how many people are opposed to capitalism if capitalism is personified in a big fucking nuke that can just <laughs> blast the shit out of all of them, <laughs> which is yeah. another problem. So the, like, we've gotten to this point where the only real way out of this is some sort of... Uh, is what a lot of people think is impossible, which is basically the use of the state, the democratic capture of the state by um, uh, like movement of people, the working people, and that's working in a very expansive sense um, in the interests of like socialism, basically. Uh, and that's the kind of, you know, that's why a lot of people have hope for the the kind of like revival of the um, the the left as an electoral project at the moment, because there really is, doesn't seem to be any other way out. Basically, what I often wonder, like, because I, I, I have several, let's say, friends who don't view the world dialectically. They're a bunch of, you know, rump empiricists. And, mm-hmm. um, and they'll say, ah, ah yes, well, um, you know, you can, you, uh, you people have always been saying that uh, capitalism is, that their next recession is coming. But, you know, it's, but capitalism has never really, quote unquote, fallen before. It never has experienced its final crisis. It does always keep going on. But I, so I keep questioning, like, 
if we've gone from spatial expansion to temporal expansion, different kinds of temporal expansion, now to like conceptual expansion where we're just inventing what's, what things are worth now, where is there left for it to go? What kind of expansion will sustain this gap between what workers are paid and what capitalists need to be produced? I love to be a guy in 1650 straightening my neck rough and going, what do you mean feudalism will never end? <laughs> <laughs> it will just find new forms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. And like, you you never want to be complacent about this shit because they are clever at finding ways to sustain Injured badgers are very good at fighting back. They just like, get weirder about they it. They give you TB. <laughs> like, then what do you is, do, bitch? It, it's no, they rent is, you TB. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's genuinely why these people are inventing fucking private spacecrafts. Like they need something else. They need something more. They need to find the next big yeah. frontier. Where's like, the we shouldn't biggest be international waters of all space? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's so that's really it. It's a it's a, it's it is a shell game. And the fact is, none of these things are separable from one another. So the gigantic stupid tech shit that we talk about on this show that's connected to the fact that there's nowhere to put any of the money. They need somewhere to put some of the money because if it doesn't keep growing, then it falls apart. And the only way that it can be profitable is if these things are more monopolistic and replace more of our our daily lives with like shittier and shittier um more exploitative jobs and practices and rent back more of our stuff to us so like that's the thing it's going to get worse and the lift ipo being 2.3 billion dollars is a deeply connected to why I love to rent all of my cutlery so that when the asteroid hits, I don't actually have to worry about the cutlery because it's not mine anyway. <laughs> See, this is so coming back around to this. Uh, how, you are familiar with the the myth of Prometheus, right? Or one of the many yeah, myths yeah, yeah. of Prometheus? Yeah. That's a cool talk- movie. Like when cool he stole the mixtape, cool <laughs> he, he stole a fire mixtape from the gods. Yeah. So I don't get it. One of the okay. things was he, <laughs> he stole fire and the yeah. mixtape, you know. Yeah, when, the mixtape is fire. You know, never mind. When Prometheus stole my mixtape, though. Um, yeah, so anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. Is that one of the, one of the, th- oh, one of the, the secrets? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 Every time you come on, this happens. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just, I'm not like in your like weird internet subculture. No offense to everyone listening to this. So what Prometheus did was. No offense. There's lots of offense. What Prometheus did was he taught humanity how to sacrifice to the gods, one of the many things. Mm. And he was like, look, what you can do is you can have a bag, fill it with bones and fat and all the shit you don't want and stretch a little bit of rump steak over it. And that'll trick the gods into thinking that what you're sacrificing is actually quite good. And so what we've been describing is all the bones and fat and all the real shit that's actually going on, the gristle and, and nonsense that we don't want. But over it is stretched this rump steak of ideology. And so every time you see something like this, and this was sent in to us by friend of the show, uh, India Block. I sent me this the other day. Great friend of the show. Every time you see something like this, know that what you're looking at is the rump steak over top of all the all the bones and shit that we've been talking about throughout this episode of the podcast. It's like at your McDonald's. Link & Co. created an innovative model with the belief that young people are willing to spend money on getting around, but increasingly prefer not to own their own cars. Oh, fuck, I saw this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like, oh, it can't be that young people don't have any money. No, that can't possibly be the reason. Like, no, they just hate owning things. Fucking young people, not into like traditional things like owning stuff, like we, the boomers, the best people who ever lived are. No, <laughs> young people just hate owning things. They refuse. They refuse to even earn money, even though they could. No, they'd much rather eat an avocado and wank. I love renting money. It's great. And so... <laughs> 
They're ready to spend money in mobility, whether it's Uber, taxis, or whatever, but they're not ready to commit to spending large amounts of money for a longer period because they love to live day to day. As I say to my car, it's not you, it's me, as I take out a lease on a Toyota I go. <laughs> right, so that's it. It's that the car industry needs to keep making cars and the like financing it finance industry needs to keep taking in taking in money and signing loans, but and let, but they don't want to give you any of the money in order to do that. And so all we're, all this disruption is, all any of this is, is ways to keep the cycle going without empowering you anymore in any possible yeah. way. And all that shit about how you love your iPhone, you hate to commit, you have a go-go lifestyle, you can rent an Hermes box to make it look like you have a rich boyfriend. All of that is just the rump that's over top of all of the stake of the sorry, that all of the bones and fat, no steak at all, that like you're constantly being served and you just have to rip that ideology off. Yeah. Which is what Trash Futures does. Yeah. Uh, that and like, the dick jokes. The, so mm. the, the thing, okay, I want to quickly come back to is that the really interesting thing about like the 1980s onwards was that in order to stabilize that financialization 2.0 with financialization in like, you know, the UK, et cetera, 1.0 being the interwar period, is that to stabilize it under electoral democracy, mm. you had to extend its benefits to a much wider constituency. And that was what pensions privatization, um, right to buy, and uh, the big privatizations of all the state-owned enterprises was about. It was mm. about extending asset ownership in conditions of asset price inflation, where you've got the prices of all these assets going up relative to prices in the real economy, um, to a wider constituency. And that creates a big that creates the baby boomers. It creates a class of people with a continuous and constant interest in the maintenance of the status quo in order to protect the value of their assets. Mm. That model has broken down because young people can't afford to buy anything. They have to rent everything. And when they can't afford to buy anything, they don't have an interest in the continuation of the status quo, especially when the continuation of the status quo involves them being like burnt to death in 20 years because <laughs> the planet is exploding. Um, so I know, but that's actually just because they're snowflakes. They don't like Oh, that, that's you know, true. So it's easy to burn snowflakes. It's because they're, it's because it, look, I read this in Spiked and I'm pretty <laughs> sure that, to, that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Brendan O'Neill only had a Spiked minor the magazine that, Hey, maybe don't drink that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Brendan O'Neill only had like a minor concussion when he wrote it that actually it's because we feel guilty about technological progress. Wait, what? I don't understand. Oh, neither does he. No, Bre <laughs> Brendan O'Neill said that actually, it's what you said isn't true. Okay, um, it's actually well, that's where that, it went wrong. Yeah, yeah. Brendan O'Neill, who again, I'm pretty sure only had a small concussion, uh, said actually what it is is that millennials these days hate responsibility and love feeling guilty, and so that's why we're sort of turning to the left and worried about you know Someone the environmental collapse or whatever. Brendan O'Neill, a nice healthy spoonful of materialism. Just yeah. like sprinkle a little bit of sugar in that. Yeah. And just I hear about rising it sea down levels. His throat. <laughs> I hear about mm -hmm. rising sea levels, and as a millennial, I'm just like, yes, choke me, daddy. <laughs> and so that's. But this is why this is this comes back to what you were saying earlier, which is mm -hmm. like, no, this is why there is a reinvigorated like transatlantic left. Yeah, I mean that that's essentially what it comes down to. Like either you have an interest in things staying the same. Or mm. you don't have an interest in things staying the same. And I mean, sure, have a broad conception of what an interest means, right? Like, yeah. and a very long term conception of that, because environmental breakdown is 
something that is not in any of our interests, but which is in the short term interests of people who own all the shit who will be dead by the time. Any unless of this unless you want it to happen in order to own the libs, in which case. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah to- also, like when you're when you're Toby Young and everyone hates you, like being able to just look down on a drowning world and be like, now nah, we're all fucked. But these like people me, are Toby all Young. functionaries to capital. Yeah. They derive oh, their yeah. earnings and their like material yeah. wealth from providing a function to the people who have all the money and some of that trickles yeah. down to the functionaries. Also, if Toby Young was just continually sunburned in this like climate change future, he'd actually look pretty badass. He'd look like Hellboy, but without the <laughs> horns. I think I think we've done it. Over the course of a single episode of this podcast, we have managed to connect the two disparate threads. We've managed to connect Toby Young with terrible uh, tech products. We've yeah. shown how they're part of the same process. So I dialectics. Can't it's the same continuum, baby. He is still a thing after everything. It's mad. I know. He's like big like, toes, young toes. He? He's like a hard-boiled egg that someone keeps like chucking at a but wall. He's a hard-boiled egg that can survive a nuclear apocalypse. Yeah, yeah there like certain, a cockroach hard-boiled he, he, egg. He's, 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 pr- he's proof that capitalism uh, can really make anyone. Um, a viable economic uh, commodity. Mm. Yeah. yeah there's certain personalities who just can't be killed. It's like Toby Young, Noel Edmonds. Like they just keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but rolling, going back from our, our favorite columnist who we love to love mm. is what we, ha- we have to remember that like there are, we, this, uh, this should fill us with some renewed hope that capitalism mm. has more or less run out of stuff to do that the, uh, like the object of just Trying to put in a couple of new laws to tinker around the edges won't work because, as um, economist Marshall Steinbaum put it, like the the main drivers of wealth exist now largely because they've been allowed to break laws that everyone else has to follow. Mm. Like we have fewer and fewer things to do, except for genuine structural change, and I find that very exciting. Mm. Me too, right? And like, but this will is they just why- choose starving to death instead? <laughs> I, like, I back them. <laughs> like, okay, there's no food, but I, my pile of money is bigger than ever. <laughs> like, your pile of money is worthless. There's no food, and it's like, look at my pile of money. <laughs> it won't even be a pile of money though, because we'll have moved to electronic money by then. Yeah, look at my. Oh, pile so it'll be of like, Bitcoins. look at my ones and zeros. Pile of Bitcoin. Hell yeah, more ones and zeros than you've got. Very sad ones and zeros over there. Okay, folks, very few, yeah. very few ones, not enough zeros, in my opinion. <laughs> right, but no, so it, it is exciting because you can see them running out of ideas. Yeah, totally. I mean, I really do think that we live in, in, a, in a very exciting moment. And it's one of those moments where, like, pessimism is irresponsible, IMHO. Mm. So there's, like, a lot of, you know, very cool people who make, you know, who get their reputations on the left just from continuous dogged pessimism that things are shit, capitalism is shit. And there's absolutely no way out now because <laughs> all all that's left to do is buy dungarees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally, it. just like welcome the end of days. It's here, like mm-hmm. you know. And then you end up in kind of ridiculous debates with Jordan Peterson, and and you know things just go downhill. But um, you know that that's increasingly when we're we're in this moment of crisis, and no one's saying that this moment of crisis, this moment of crisis mm-hmm. in, the, in the kind of demise of financial growth, is going to end well, right? No one's saying mm-hmm. that they're not going to find a fix. No one's saying that it's not going to end up in some sort of attempted revolution where everyone gets nuked to death and we end up with like 
you know, just Toby Young left on like a dead planet because he's the only <laughs> thing that can survive the nuclear holocaust. In the land of the mutants, <laughs> the Toby Young is king. <laughs> but it is our responsibility to believe that we can potentially use this moment, use this period where the, the you know there are divisions within capital, where um, the the balance of power seems to be shifting away mm-hmm. from something which you know where under which uh, a system under which it was monopolized by this this tiny elite and uh, in which everyone else had an interest in things staying as they were it's our responsibility to think well okay fine things might not be looking that great but we also have we do have a task ahead of us that we can Mm. chart a way forward that will allow us to get to a situation in which some way somehow power wealth are shared amongst people who live off work rather than those who live off wealth under which we kind of move towards dissolving the distinction between uh, workers and owners and in which the planet isn't dying. And, you know, there are ways and there are people, there are flawed people and flawed movements that are engaging in that project at the moment. And I think it's the responsibility of everyone on the left and everyone actually who like gives a shit about, you know, living for the next 40 years to start thinking about what their role is in that. We're at the start of the screwball comedy from 2005 where we've just discovered that the money required to stop climate change is exactly the prize money of the dance competition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! We have to assemble a team of misfits <laughs> Mark, to make podcasts. Mark that. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's it. That's what we have. We have um we have we have a better future in which we are all able to like continue being alive, mm. or we have Whoa, a world luxury. Yeah, <laughs> or we have a world where Lyft is worth two point three billion dollars. Mm. Well, I mean, it's not even going to be a world where Lyft's un- yeah. like Lyft but we isn't going to be, be worth Sorry, shit. Mars, Mars is worth two point three billion Mars bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I mean, right? <laughs> it's that is that right now we have the choice between those two things, is and that we can keep one or we can try to move to the other one. But I hope in the last mm. hour and a bit that we have explained sort of just exactly how that process is working and how it's interconnected and how it's sort of connected to the apocalypse. Also, can I just say, hashtag plug, a lot of this I write about in my book, which will be coming out in September of this year. What's it called? I I, I, I really like the cover of the book. I just wanted to say that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. The bird's great. It's really really cool. I didn't design it myself. The book is they called, sent me things. The book is called yes. How to Get Pussy and Influence People. Um, <laughs> the book is called GettingYourDickSuck.com. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Can we, can we like advertise it on GettingYourDickSuck.com? Grace. That's how we stop climate change. We're like, when the planet dies, you won't be able to get your dick sucked anymore. And all like, oh no. And Toby Young will be like, but I'm not getting my dick sucked now. Is everyone else getting their dick sucked? Can, can we buy the serial rights to your book? So like we run exclusive Oh excerpts. my God. <laughs> yes. That's it. Look out for look out for the book Stolen. Uh, Grace's book Stolen and Financialized Capitalism serialized in gettingherdicksuck.com. Yes. World oh, exclusive like Pickwick papers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Look, I, look, I'll, also I I'm still very committed to turning gettingyourdicksuck.com into a real thing. Yeah. If, if you, you if you would like to be involved. Okay, right now I think we need web design. Um we already have a volunteer for editor. Mm. Um uh, we but we need someone to actually do the web design. So if you can yeah. do web design, graphic please, designers hit us up. There graphic is hundred percent on the like yeah. like ninety nine percent male audience that's listening yeah. to this a web designer. 
Like, yeah, people with people with writing credits who want to write for yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Hey, I'll write for you guys. Hell yeah. Amazing. All right. I mean, we're serializing your book. I thought we'd yeah. agree. Oh, yeah, shit. I'm already <laughs> we, giving you that content. Okay. We have an economics, economics correspondent uh, on we lock. A, we need a cartoonist who, like... <laughs> Weird, like, New Yorker-style cartoons that make no sense. We are so serious about turning gettingyourdicksuck.com into a real thing. Like, cartoons where every week the punchline of the cartoon is always like, oh, I thought you were a Yale man. <laughs> but it's just some, like, different fucked up shit in the picture every week. <laughs> yes. This, I cannot emphasize to you enough. We are serious about doing this and doing it well. Yeah. However, so Grace, uh, people can pre-order your book, yes? They can. They can pre-order my book, Stolen, colon, how to save the world from financialization uh, at our favorite friend, amazon.com or uh, .co.uk. Our favorite. Uh, we'll yeah. put the link to that in the description. Um, also, uh, as you know, we're trying to stick it to those stuffed shirts to the British Podcasting Awards. Yeah, we so are. So if you vote for us, we will skateboard onto stage uh, and we will... I will literally do that. If we win. <laughs> like, I have no shame. And and we will mess up their award ceremony. So I the will link- take off my shirt on stage and swing it around Woo! my head. So the link to that's in the description. And all the ladies want to see that. I am pretty ripped to the I moment, TBS. <laughs> <laughs> My lawyers have a lot else going on. Being homeless has made me weirdly jacked because I'm, I'm not eating enough and I'm spending a lot of time at the gym because you can shower there. Um, anyway. Uh, we also have two live shows coming up. Two. One on May 30th in London at the Star of Kings. Tickets yep. are on sale for that now. And one in Cambridge at Wolfson College on the 14th, 15th of 15th June. Of June. get that wrong every time. Are uh, tickets on sale for that yet? Uh, no. But, well, they might be by the time this comes out. I'm going to try and get a, a ticket this is text up for that. next Tuesday. Well, this Tuesday, if you're listening to it now. I, I was going to say, you can also pre-order my book. Um, everything goes into funding my dream of becoming, uh, of opening up my own soup shop. Uh, exactly. Which I've the had since, unicorn which, soup store, which, which I've had, which I've had since I was a very young boy, learning under the uh, the, the, the Saracen leader Saladin. Um, <laughs> soup Saladin. Um, so soup anyway. Saladin. The soup so hot um, it burned down Notre anyway, Dame. All, all, yeah. the, all the book also from famously good place Amazon. Um, mm. And yeah, take like you, you know what I really want. I want like I want someone to take a bookstagram picture of it. But like in the most unreasonable or like stupid setting. So just like make it look aesthetically good, but like, so I don't if know. you're a billionaire, like one yeah. of your friends, maybe, mm. Milo, one of the Russian billionaires, just take sure. it, like put it like on, I don't know, some glass like floor that's looking down on all the plebs, yeah. uh, like next to a bottle of like Dom Perignon or, with mm. some, wrapped in some like Hermes scarves mm. in, a, in a bag. Reading it upside like, down on the toilet. Yes. <laughs> but all of that, but or, or get a Peloton, break off the iPad from the Peloton and <gasps> then be motivated by... Hussein's book or Grace's book or my mom's book. It's coming out now too. It's book season. Oh, wow. Is your mom actually writing a book? Yeah, Joe, she's already written it. We need to talk about Riley. (laughs) 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 It's so weird, isn't it? Uh, No, it's, um, it's called, it's called A Cure for Heartache. Oh, that's so lovely. And it's out on Hotter and Stoughton. Uh, wow. So you can pre-order my mom's book too. Did you break your mom's heart? Is that what happened here? I'll pre-order your mom's book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what's his name? What? <laughs> All right. I think we've done enough plugs for now. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading your mom's book, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm leaving her very good reviews on goodreads.com. <laughs> okay. Okay. We've done, w- we've done like 10 minutes of plugs at this point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, also, people. Uh, smoke comedy on the 8th of May. 
Um, uh, link in the description as always. Other uh, headlines can be Radu is like that's gonna be really fun. Come down. Also, I am doing the Brighton Fringe uh, on the first. Uh, no, sorry, on the third and fourth of May, and also the thirty first of May and the first of June. So do come to that. My show is called uh, Pindos, uh, and it's not ready yet, but it should be by then. So uh, do come and see that. Uh, the uh, you can't buy tickets online because it's free, but if you're in Brighton, it's going to be at Catherine. Car- it's going to be at the Temple Bar, it's Laughing Horse at the Temple Bar Perfect. at ten p.m. Yeah. All right. Brap, 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 brap.